We welcome you to speak, and we, help, we ask for your help, Holy Spirit, to calm our hearts, to help us calm our hearts and pay attention to what you're, what you're saying, what you're doing this morning. We thank you that you are always working. Thank you, God. Uh, we had the chance to spend some time with my family on Thursday. My sister uh, and her husband and her eight kids came up to spend the day with us at our house because they were dropping their second child off at Gordon um, for her to go on a 10-day La Vida adventure, if you know what that is, in the Adirondack Mountains. So she left. She stayed with us overnight, and um, she left Friday morning to go do that. And... Um, just, you know, just funny how, how family and time is, but um, I'm, 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 I consider myself kind of a tall, a tall person. I'm, I'm 6'1". My dad is, was 6'2", was and my grandfather was 6'2", maybe 6'3". And uh, while we were hanging out, just doing some projects around our house um, with my family, my brother-in-law was telling me about his son, who actually, sorry, he wasn't there. He was the only kid that didn't travel. He's the oldest, and he's just passed us all up for height. So now he is the tallest person in the family at, I don't know what he is now, 16, 17, and um, a little bit of time can change a lot of things. We, we, our lives are bound up in time. As I've kind of crossed the 40, what is it called? I've, I've gone over the hill, past 40, you start looking down and, you know, seeing 120 in the, different, in the distance. Thank you for laughing. Um, and it's getting a little closer, you know? And we have these moments of time. There's something very interesting about time. You know, we, the Bible doesn't say that God is outside of time, but it's kind of assumed in some theological circles that he is, but has entered into time, that God created time. I mean, it, it gets really weird, okay? We're in a series right now about secrets of the kingdom. And no, I am not going to unlock the secrets about the, the time-space continuum this morning. But Jesus has some things that are significant for us that relate to time this morning. I've mentioned this a few times um, in this series and in this past spring, but just the very unhealthy relationship to time that our culture has, which is we're zipping around in cars at 60 miles an hour, trying to get from here to there and rushing off to this thing or that activity or this event or concert and, you know, to our jobs and um, we, we live in a very hurried culture. And it, we, don't, we don't have much of a, of a sit on the porch culture, drink the tea, and the neighbors come over and we chat for an hour and 15 minutes just because we like to. Now again, that, that does exist. I'm just saying that there's something about, about time here and how we relate to it that God is wanting to speak. So I'm going to read the scripture this morning and ask you to listen to it, but I'd ask you to turn there because you might want to look back at it because you're going to talk two different times about what you hear. We're going to read two different sections. So we're going to be in Luke 13 if you want to turn there. 
uh, and there's a, there's a few, there's three actually parables, but in, we're going to read them in two chunks, okay? The first one starts in verse 6, and the, the title, which is not inspired, says the parable of the barren fig tree. All right, here's, here's how it goes. So I just ask, you can read along if you'd like, if that helps you. Sometimes I think it's helpful just to like sit, close your eyes, listen, okay? It's kind of as Jesus, people would have received this the first time it was spoken. And Jesus would have been telling a story. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. He said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree. And I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and put on manure. Then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. All right, we're going to give you a couple minutes. What, what is the secret here that Jesus is revealing about his kingdom? It's the tricky one. So, you know, you can look around in the context. There's a little clue that might help you uh, dig into this, okay? Go for it. All right, that was two minutes. Um, I want to read one more passage of Scripture that I think will help inform this because there's a reference here in the Old Testament kind of little sleight of hand from Jesus to refer to this other passage. He often does that. Uh, So listen to this passage from Ezekiel 17. It says, Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one, and and I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird. In the shade of its branches, birds of every sort will nest. And all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I bring low the high tree and make high the low tree, dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it. Now, I just realized I read that out of order, so that probably didn't make any sense. But it will in a minute, so it's actually good that I think I read it ahead of time. So let me talk about this first parable for, for a second. Um, wait a second. Wait one second. I've got to look at the Bible. Oh, sorry. This does apply. We're talking about trees. Now, okay. You guys with me? We good? This is, it's okay if this isn't polished, right? There's going to be glory. All right. So Jesus, uh, if you look at the context of this parable that he's talking about, about this barren fig tree, there's a passage beforehand he's talking about repenting. There's a passage afterwards where he heals a woman who has this affliction for like 18 years, and then he gets condemned for doing it on the Sabbath. This passage is really a warning shot to uh, the Pharisees and the rulers that are opposing his ministry. So he's saying there's kind of this three-year thing, and then there's this one-year period afterwards that he's giving them. It's essentially a passage about the patience of God. It's his patience. Um, 
different church historians talk about, you know, many of the Pharisees, after Jesus was rose from the dead, actually ended up coming to know him. These are the ones that he gave all those very harsh warnings to, those seven woes. And so what we're seeing in this passage is the tree represents the nation of Israel. Okay, that's what the tree is. And Jesus has come in his ministry and many have accepted him, but many are rejecting him to the point where they're gonna, they're gonna seek him, his death. And so, he, you know, there's many parts in the New Testament where Jesus is talking about the nation of Israel and their, their, um, their unwillingness to open their hearts to repent from wickedness and to turn to him. And so in this section, he's saying, hey, this is what is coming if you don't turn. He's giving them more time, okay? In this first parable, we're seeing this relationship to time that God has where he is patient with us. You know, the, the guy initially says, just cut this thing down. And he says, no, sir, let's give it a little, let's give it a little more time, right? Now, Hold that in your mind. I'm going to read this second section of two parables, and there's going to be a connection between these parables, the passage that I read, and this other parable. All right? So you're holding a couple things here. So if you're, if you're um, wanting to look at this later after I read it, or, or right now as I read it, it's jumping down to verse 18. Okay? Two short little stories here. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden. And it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. Now, there's a couple of ways you can go with this. You can just talk about, hey, what did you hear? You could talk about what is the connection between this parable and the previous one, or the Ezekiel passage, or just what does this mean in general? Okay, so you got, I'll give you a couple more minutes, just what stands out to you? What connections can you make between these? All right, I know it feels a little like English class in high school. Go for it, okay? All right, so let me try to bring some clarity to what maybe has been an unclear sermon so far. Okay. God is patiently God is patiently bringing his will into this world from small to all. Okay? God is patiently bringing his will to this world from small to all. Now, these two parables that obviously are connected, you're starting with something that seems insignificant almost, a mustard seed, and then it grows up into a tree, or I think mustard plants actually are like a, a bush, so, you know, there'll be problems in translation there or whatever. Jesus obviously probably knew it was not going to grow up into a giant oak tree, okay? He's part of an agrarian society. He probably knew all about mustard plants. So you start with something very tiny, the smallest seed that would have been in that culture, and it grows into this bush, right? And it says the birds of the air come and nest in its branches, which is an interesting thing to say. The second parable, you start with a little bit of leaven, a little bit of yeast. Someone remarked this morning, they were praying that yeast can last a very long time on its own. 
and then when it's activated, right, it will, it will expand. My wife has experimented in sourdoughs and different kinds of bread things, and, you know, for a while she was using this square plastic bin about this big, and she would put a little bit of flour in there and mix it with the water and then put the yeast in, and then she'd set it aside for, you know, hours or a day or something. And then you'd come back to it, and the whole thing, right, it just would fill that entire container, like almost popping the lid off. That's what yeast does if you've never seen it. So Jesus is saying that the kingdom is like this. It's starting from something small, and then it moves. It's moving through time. It's moving to fill all, right? This is, this is the principle of the kingdom. Now, to try to tie these two sections together with this Ezekiel passage. I read this weird passage that all of Jesus' listeners, maybe I shouldn't say all, there might have been a three-year-old there that wouldn't know, but right, many of his listeners would have, would have heard the Old Testament read all through their life. Okay, So when he says something about a tree and, and then birds nesting in the branches, both of those things were in this Ezekiel passage. Did you pick up on that? Make that connection. We see this Ezekiel passage, this weird picture of this giant cedar tree that somehow is being rejected. He's cutting the top off of it, taking a little sprig somewhere from the top, and he's planting it. And it's saying, this is now going to grow into this big tree, and it will bear fruit. It will become greater. This other tree will, will shrink, will reduce. The Jesus is telling us, you know, or through the Holy Spirit, through Ezekiel, you know, hundreds of years ahead of this, these passages, these parables that Jesus is saying, again, what is going to happen in the kingdom? So what is this little sprig? It's such a fun word. Well, it's kind of two things that are one. It's Jesus and his church. They're being cut off as a piece. They're coming out of this other tree, the nation of Israel. Jesus is the new Adam, as Paul says, he is, he is Jewish and he's being planted to build a new tree that's not ethnic in its nature, right? It is now this, 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 the people of Jesus, the people that are a part of his body and it is this tree that is growing. And so the connection we see between these passages is this, this warning that Jesus is giving to the Jewish nation and the leaders in the first parable. I would say it's probably referring, which I believe much in Jesus and the Gospels refers to, of the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70. Right? Jesus is talking about this is what is coming. That's why you're to, when you see an army surrounding Jerusalem, you get out of there. You flee to the hills because the city is going to fall. The Jews thought this is the city of God, which it was. It's, it will never be taken, and yet it was. Jesus knew this, and this is kind of this judgment that he's proclaiming. Give it another year. Give people another generation to repent and to turn to Jesus, which is essentially what happens. If Jesus dies around 80, 30, there's 40 years, right, until the the city of Jerusalem is destroyed. He's giving them another year, right, another set period of time in his patience to repent, which many people did in that time. And then Jesus is saying, and, and this is the trajectory of my kingdom. It is going to start small and insignificant. It's a baby born in a barn to two nobodies in this subverted nation that's underneath an occupying force that's actually 
forced them to have this birth in this weird place. That's this little sprig. That's this little mustard seed. That's this, this little leaven that Jesus is talking about. And, you know, we can debate about end times things. I've obviously taken a stance that I believe the kingdom of God is going to continue to expand as Jesus talks about in these parables. We don't need to agree about that. I believe there's support for that in the Old Testament. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that still feel like they're secrets in terms of, is Jesus coming back any minute? Is it going to happen, you know, when the last people group is reached? Is it going to be hundreds of years until more and more the earth looks like the kingdom of God? I would kind of take that approach, but I don't know, okay? But what the Lord wants us to hear today is, is the promise of where we are going and the patience that is of, of God that is always involved in this world of time that we live in. There's patience for us in our individual lives. There's patience. There's time for us to repent, to turn away from things in our lives that are, that are, that are hurtful, that are not of God. And we are being caught up in the movement of God as we cooperate with him to see what is small move to all. That God's will would fill all in all. This is what we read about when we went through the book of Ephesians. I just was struck that four times it makes a reference to Jesus filling all in all. That's where we're headed. Now, I want to say one more thing. And that is that there, there, there's something that we need to pay attention to then in our lives. The small. God's will will fill in the small. That is where it begins. The specific, the local, the today, the little whisper of God. You know, when I first started my ministry here at the church, my ministry. I never liked that phrase. When I first took this position and joined in ministry with you all in a new role, you know, I felt like the Lord just gave me this faith to believe for a greatest awakening. You know, there's lots of people that are talking about an end time revival or, you know, whatever. And this is the location of the first great awakening and the second great awakening. Now, we kind of took those titles because we're Americans and we're at the center of the world. So there were probably other awakenings that were also, you know, bigger if not better, okay, whatever. You, you understand what I'm saying. How do we get there though? We don't actually get there by like talking about that a lot. And yes, there's a place to pray for that. But in terms of the actions that we take, they're always involved in the small. They're always the local. It's always the little Jesus is saying that is what leads to this big. It's always in how is the Holy Spirit catching me up in the leaven of his kingdom right now? How is he, how is he, how is he grafting me into this, this new cedar tree or this mustard tree so that the birds can come, I think is a reference that some say, a reference to the nations of the world coming to know Jesus, coming into his this mustard seed, this, this cedar tree, okay? It's always the small. 
And that's a trick of the enemy. You know, he wants to get us off of the actual things that we can do in our lives that seem small and insignificant, but are really where the spirit is working. We did a whole series a couple years ago, right before COVID, gosh, that was applicable, about complaining and how that is the devil. It is 100% the devil. There's never an excuse to complain. We like to give them because that's kind of what complaining is. It's tied to a spirit of excuse. But it's always an affront against God's character and his power, his promise to provide, and his goodness to us. These are the little battles that the demons are fighting against us. You understand? Like, let's just get a little, let's just get a little reality check. We are in a spiritual battle. And the place that the devil is working is always in the specific. Because he knows that's where the, the battle is won and lost. And how we interact in our families, how we treat our spouse or our kids, what we think about while we're driving to work, are we cussing out the person that cuts us off? Like all these little pieces of our lives. This is where the battle is won and lost for, for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done, for his will to fill all in all. It's, it's small to all. That's how it's built. Now, one, one theme that we've been teasing through this series is, about, is that I've been saying that, hey, prayer is really the secret of the kingdom. Want to know the secrets of the kingdom? The biggest secret is just pray. The Holy Spirit will teach you how. Just, just start somewhere. Help me, Jesus, is a wonderful prayer, right? It absolutely is. But the Greek Orthodox Church has a prayer called the Jesus Prayer that some monks say thousands of times a day. And there's power there. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in calling out along with the Spirit of God, Abba, Father, over and over. There's power in talking with God throughout your day. Right? There's power in reciting liturgical prayers. There's power in sitting in quiet, as we've been talking about, and listening for God and the still small voice. Right? So this, again, is, is what I want to say. The way to avoid, right, to, to, to lean into Jesus and the repentance that he's talking about is to pray. Lord, have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. The way to see the kingdom fill all in all, to join into the work of God that's an inevitable thing, we just get to decide if we're going to participate in that moment by moment, is to pray. Right? The way to overcome a complaining spirit is to pray. The way to, the way to love your kids and your spouse more like Jesus every day is to pray. It's to know him. It's to stand before God. As, 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 as much as we can throughout our day and to realize that he is there and to receive him as our father. Receive the work of Jesus, his blood, right? His wounds, our healing, it's in Jesus. Now, there's nothing, I, sorry, I'm just going on and on. Are you guys, is this okay? You guys with me? Is this good? We Westerners live a busy life and, and the Lord is calling us, I believe, to slow down, to be present, and to pray. Most of the time, if you're in a hurry, you're not praying. It's sad that we don't walk from place to place. We drive. 
Although we can slow ourselves down when we drive, but there's something about moving 60 miles an hour that's hard to slow down your mind as well, right? Whereas a, 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 sh a gentle, quiet walk, it's quite a bit easier maybe to slow yourself down because your body is interacting in that way. I don't know. Lord, what was the point of that? Yes. And there's something also about us wanting to know everything about how things work. I just want to tell you something. You do not have to understand everything about the brain or the psyche or the human soul to move into wholeness with Jesus. We often want understanding. And God wants us to know him. And we know him by giving ourselves to pray. There's so much that we cannot see that God is doing and that is going on around us. And again, this is where the battle for the kingdom lies. It's in the small. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. And again, I'm not anti-technology here. There are things that are good and bad about technology. There's, there's things that are good and bad about lots of knowledge. But of many books, there's a weariness. But love builds up. And this is the primary calling, again, of our lives, is sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. It's counterintuitive that that is actually where the battle lies. But this is what Jesus is telling us. It's the secret of the kingdom. To live a life of prayer, it leads us into repentance and it leads us into a place where we are partnering with God to see all in all. So I'm going to call the worship team up now and, and, and what I want as they're coming is I just want to pause for a minute or two to pray and it, instead of talking about it, let's just do it today. That could be you silently, it could be you out loud, but but I, will, I just encourage all of us, let's let's sit before the Lord and slow ourselves down in whatever way your heart is, is feeling led to pray in all of these different ways that I've listed, okay? So Holy Spirit, please come and help us pray. Help us to love God by giving him our attention, to love you, to love Jesus, love the Father. Thank you, Lord.